Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians 5. And then with that also, on Sunday we start our three morning services. We'll see if I need to keep it that way or what we'll do. It's all trial and error because you really don't know what's going to happen, who's going to show up, all that good stuff. The 8.30 service would be especially for those that are older or have um, compromised immune systems. That would be your service to come to. I had someone tell me, they're like, Pastor, you're like doing what they do in the nursing homes. You're putting all of us together and going to get us sick that way. And I'm like, no, that's not quite what that is. And if you, if, in all honesty, you can come to whatever service you want. That first service, I'm trying to keep it special, just limited to those folks. And like some people ask me, they have really bad asthma. And they've been trying to stay away from things. I said the 8.30 service was fine for them as well. And so 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 will be the same message, starting a new series in the book of Nehemiah. And so we'll start that Sunday morning, and we'll have a good time going through the book of Nehemiah over the next 12 or 13 weeks, I believe is what it will be. And then on Sunday night this week, um, Brother Jay's already deciding, you know, you know, things are starting to get better outside when Brother Jay takes off on us, you know. Uh, and so he's going to be preaching somewhere, I think. And so he's preaching on Sunday night. So Sunday night, we'll be back here for service, but we're going to do favorites that night. So if any of you want to text me today or tomorrow, your favorites, I can get the words on the screens and different things. So that'll be good. So text me those if you got a favorite for Sunday night. And so that's it. And uh, those of you out there watching, those of you here, don't feel like those, especially those watching, don't feel like you're pressured into where you have to come. I had someone call me a day and they're like, Pastor, I really want to come. And I'm like, I really don't think you should yet. And that was, and the thing is, you got to do your grown-ups, your, your, big, your big people, adults, big whatever. You can figure out for yourself what's best. And so don't, don't blame me if you come. You come because you want to come. And uh, we'll have a good time. And so I'm looking forward to it. I just like this. Tonight, it's not a full house. It's still got plenty of room. We could almost have double what's in here tonight and still be fine. But I just like having people here. So it's a good thing. Marquise already sent me a request. I'll sing of my Redeemer. Um, if you weren't going to be leaving us, I would take your request, but you're leaving us. So um, okay, we'll do I will sing of my Redeemer. That's a good one. So Ephesians 5, verse number 18. We'll dive right in. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Father, I pray that you bless the little bit of time we have here tonight. Thank you for church. Thank you for dying for it. Thank you for giving it to us. Thank you for the privilege we have to meet together. May we never take it for granted. May we desire to please you more, to live for you, and to, to serve you, and do our very best till you come. We love you. We thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see in verse number 18, there's a difficult request made to us, or a command here. It says, we're to be filled with the Spirit. We talked about there's a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and being full of the Spirit. At salvation, the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. He comes into our lives at that moment. He's there. But there's a difference between being filled with the Spirit. We talked about that last Wednesday night, and you can go online and listen to that again if you weren't able to listen to that. But as we talk about this, verse number 19, through the rest of the chapter, and even going into chapter number 6, we're given a description of what the Spirit-filled life looks like. 
And as a believer, as a Christian, we should be desiring to have a Spirit-filled life. That is the goal. That's what God wants us to have. Not to be full of ourselves, but to be full of the Spirit. And so as we look at this tonight, we're told in, through the rest of the book what being filled like, with the Spirit looks like in our marriages, what it looks like in our families, what it looks like in our work life, what it looks like in our struggles with the enemy. We see all of these things, but Paul begins, before Paul gets into the marriages, before he gets into families, work life, our spiritual battles that we face, he begins with worship. That's where he begins. And it's important, we see this here. Why does Paul, you know, he doesn't start with evangelism. He doesn't start with preaching. He doesn't start with giving. He doesn't start with holiness. He doesn't start with any other topic. He starts with our worship. And so that's where he begins. And tonight I want to talk about, for a little bit of time, spirit-filled worship. Why does the Lord start with worship? The reason he does simply is because of this. Your worship is a window to your heart. When your heart is right with God, your worship is going to be pleasing to God, and your worship's going to be focused on Him. And so the easiest way to know where you stand with God is to take a close look and see what you are worshiping. A verse that I love and that's helped me in my life, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring in captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, anything that we spend our time thinking on could become an idol in our life, really. Because what should be number one in our lives? I talked about with the teenagers just an hour and a half ago. Number one priority should be God. God should be number one. And so... When we look at this thing of the Spirit-filled life, it's only right that it begins with our worship. And our worship's so important, that's what we're going to look at tonight. And you see verse 18 through verse 21 are all one thought. Paul connects being filled with the Spirit with proper worship, having a thankful heart, walking in the fear of God, and being in a right relationship with other believers. He ties all of those things together. So when I'm filled with the Spirit, get this, I'm going to be thankful. When I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm going to fear God and reverently fear of the Lord. I'm going to walk humbly with other believers. When I am filled with the Spirit, my worship of God will be right. Tonight I wanted to spend a little bit of time in verse 19 and 20, and I want to preach about the Spirit-filled worship. I want to show you what spirit-filled worship looks like and why we need to engage in it on a continual basis. And you'll notice some clear statements on how important worship is. We as God's people should worship God. And this is the problem we have in churches today. Our worship gets off base. And our worship can get off base both ways. Because you have that crowd that would say, well, you know, music. We're going to talk about music here in just a little bit tonight. And why we got to be talking about music when we're just getting back into it? That's where we're at. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You have some people that would be, I don't like some of the new songs that, you sing, that we sing at church. You have some that say, I don't like the old hymns that we sing at church. You got both spectrums of it. 
The last time I checked what worship is all about, you and I don't matter in worship. Unless we are the focal point of it. And when we make our priorities or our pet peeves or our preferences priority, what we are really doing, and where many Christians get it wrong, is we are worshiping self and what we like. And we never take time to look at what the Bible actually says and worship God the way he should be worshipped because the Bible tells us how to worship God. That's important, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Number one, as we dive into our outline, we see the description of spirit-filled worship. The description of spirit-filled worship. We have, when it comes to worship, people have all sorts of expectations. I know people who, when they think of worship, they think of the hands got to be up in the air. You got to be waving them back and forth. There are those who think worship is where you sit quietly and don't say a word or kneel on your knees. Or there are some people that my emotions fit into worship. Then there are those that emotion has nothing to do with worship. And everyone has all these ideas when it comes to worship. And when we look at this tonight, I want you to look at verse number 19. Look at what the Bible describes as spirit-filled worship. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So look at what it says here. Speaking to yourselves. First thing you see, the word speaking. It's a Greek word, laleo. It means a sound made by movement of the tongue. Literally, spirit-filled worship has to have something being said. Speaking to yourselves. Speaking is involved. So spirit-filled worship, as we look at it in this verse, it has to do with a verbal expression. It means to speak, to use your words. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What this implies here is that you really cannot participate in worship without singing. I just worship God my way. Well, we corporately worshiped him tonight in song. But if you weren't singing, you weren't worshiping. Because there's got to be a moving of the mouth. What that says right there. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. We're talking about spirit-filled worship. Speaking to yourselves, if we're going to uh, fulfill the command in this verse, we've got to open our mouths and speak. Move our tongues and allow sound to come out. Since Paul speaks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, he's talking about singing. This is one of the ways that a believer worships God, through singing. And we could go tonight, we could look at all sorts of different ways of worship and different things of worship. Giving is a type of worship. There's lots of different things we could look at, but this specific thing that we're looking at tonight, the spirit fit, we're looking at singing and the importance of singing. And we look at this, if we're going to sing as part of worship to God, it implies that we must sing. Sometimes you'll see, and I... I'm not, some people have a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things. I don't have a lot of opinion. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have, a, I have an opinion about everything. And sometimes I have too many opinions, and that's just me. 
But, you know, you have churches, some churches have a worship team. Am I against a worship team? In no way. If they want to have a worship team, that's fine. But it gets kind of, to me, an area that I would have a little bit is when we just go to listen to a performance and then we're not singing too. Because worship is not just the song there. And sometimes, don't get me wrong, Brother Jay gets up here, we hear his kids and them sing, and they all, their voices blend so well together. And uh, what was that? Our God is Mighty to Save. I forget. Is that the title of the song? That was excellent on Sunday morning. And those of you that were watching it online, it just doesn't do justice to how it truly sounds. And that's wonderful. And I can think about the Lord and I can worship him as they sing. But when we're singing together, it needs to be a corporate thing. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense to you what I'm saying there. So in other words, the word speaking requires involvement. It's important. One cannot participate in verbal worship of the Lord if the tongue doesn't move and sound doesn't come out. And by the way, speaking here, it is a present tense active voice verb, which means we are to be speaking to one another in a verbal expression of worship all the time. Nothing is more indicative of a heart that is worshiping God or someone full of joy than to have that joy come out in song. You know it's true. And all through life, extreme happiness fills us and makes us, we want to sing. That's why sometimes life isn't going so good. Those are the times you really don't want to sing. You know, Paul and Silas, they're in jail and they were, they were singing praise to God at midnight. That kind of go, that kind of how, you know, in the Christian life, that's how it should be. Even in the dark days, we still sing. But we think about this, when the Holy Spirit's in control of a life, that life is filled with joy. And when joy is given a voice, it always expresses itself in a song of praise to the glory of God. A spirit-filled Christian, get this tonight, is a singing Christian. That's what I see right here. Paul mentions three types of verbal expressions of worship that we're to use. The first one we see, it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms. Psalms is the first one mentioned. The word refers to scripture set to music. This is referring to the psalms of the Old Testament and other ancient psalms that, we, that are popular in the early church. And, you know, you think about for the Jews... They would use the book of Psalms as their songbook. They didn't have hymnals or screens like we do. And so they would sing Psalms. And, our, and when we sing to God, one of the types of songs that we should sing is scripture songs. And we used to do a lot of it. We don't do it as much anymore. But we used to sing a lot of scripture songs. There are a lot of them. And, and it's great because it gives you scripture and it's a song at the same time. But the Bible says you're speaking to yourselves in psalms, and it's, and it's a good thing. We should not sing a song just because it's pleasant, catchy to the ear. The thing about a psalm is it's got scripture in it, and that's important. So we have, there are psalms. There are hymns. Now a hymn, in the Greek language, this word refers to a song uttered in praise of a god. That's what it stands for. And so it is a song of celebration. Literally, the word speaks a song with religious content. So a hymn, think about a hymn this way. It's a song written to celebrate God, 
the Son, His Son Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Hymns are full of religious content. They declare the glory of God. They speak about salvation. They talk about the glories and wonders of heaven. They describe His beauty. Hymns are songs that cause believers to celebrate the truth. And do you know why a lot of hymns were written? A lot of people don't have the privilege that we do of having Bibles in front of us. And you go back a couple hundred years ago, most people couldn't afford to have a Bible. And so what they would do in churches is, and those that would write songs, they would, in their hymns, they would put a lot of doctrine in there. And a lot of people in the church learn their doctrine from the hymns that they would sing. And that's a great thing. So when they sung the songs, they were learning the truths of God's Word and the doctrine in the Word of God. And we live in a day and age today where a lot of people don't like hymns anymore. But let me just tell you tonight, hymns are good. They are profitable. And what happens sometimes is you might just not know the hymns very well. This is, in our, in our culture today, this is the problem. Older people know the hymns. Younger people, for the most part, don't know the hymns very well. Younger people know the new songs. And the older people don't like the new songs because they don't knew, know the new songs. And so there's got to be a balance with all of it. And that's why the Lord sets us up here with talking about spirit-filled worship in Psalms. And that's talking about scripture songs. And then in hymns, hymns are important. And we can never lose that. We need hymns. We need the doctrine in the hymns. We need the truth that is found in the hymns. Hymns are important. We need them. And thank God for the old hymns. Thank God for amazing grace. Thank God for rock of ages. Thank God for a mighty fortress is our God. Thank God for there is a fountain filled with blood. Thank God for how great thou art. Thank God for all hail the power of Jesus' name. Thank God for blessed assurance. But also don't get lost. And sometimes people think that hymns are only old songs. There are newer hymns, too. And Brother Jay, man, he does a good job with the songs that he brings in. I would tend to say, if I was going to look at some of the new songs that we sing, His Mercy is More, to me, fits like a hymn. The Power of the Cross, hymn style. And so, just because it's not an old song, doesn't mean it's not written like a hymn. Because So it, you have new hymns and you have old hymns. And don't get confused by that. And both are good. The old hymns are great. The newer ones are great. And this is what happens. Some are like, well, those, the old ones are tried and true. They're great. Well, what happened when they were brand new? Someone probably had a problem with them back in the day. Because those are new songs. Those are contemporary songs. They're probably saying that in the 1700s. That's a contemporary song that Wesley wrote. Horatio Spafford, that's a contemporary song that he wrote. How dare he, it is well with my soul. No one's going to ever sing that song. Amazing Grace, contemporary. We have our old song. You see how we get sometimes? But a hymn. There's old hymns, which are wonderful. There's new hymns that are great. We need to sing hymns of the faith. We need to sing more of them. We need to have a variety of them. Young people need to know hymns. It's important. 
Young adults need to learn hymns. And we need a good balance of them. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, and then look at the third one there, and spiritual songs. A spiritual song, this refers to soulful music. This would include choruses, maybe a lighter arrangement, and even some of our more popular music of the Christian music of the day. You know, they sang, Our God is Mighty to Save. I think that that would fit just fine in a spiritual song. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Man, you could even, some of the, the truth that is found in that song, you could of that into a hymn and that's a hybrid that's a hybrid right there it's kind of got a mixture of both there but you think about spiritual songs i'd rather have jesus that's a spiritual song his name is wonderful um there's coming a day a spiritual song farther along spiritual song I'd also say, and going back to hymns, how we did how deep the Father's love for us, I think that would be a hymn. I think that would fit right there. And actually, when we talk about all these things, I should just be having Jay preach a message like this. He's Mr. Music Guy, but I think I'm doing all right with it. And um, there's just, spiritual songs are important too. And that's where, and church, you gotta, you gotta listen to me for a minute here. That's why it's so important that you need to have a mixture of all these. You need to have, in a church, you need to have your psalms. You need to have your scripture songs. You need to have your hymns. You need to have your spiritual songs. You need all three. These are three areas that I believe are very important. Spirit-filled worship involves those who know the Lord and sing to Him and sing songs that honor and glorify Him. When it comes to church music, and I've said this before, and I, why when we get right back together do I got to be on issues like music? I used to have a dogmatic stand on music and where I stood on it. And those of you listening online and everything else, those who have been here, you know me. And over the years, I used to have a fine line that, bless God, we would never sing anything but a hymn. Nothing else. Those new songs... I would call them, what was the phrase? I think a 7-Eleven song. Seven, you sing seven verses 11 times, and they're shallow, not much to them. And that is, that is an awful attitude to have. And I'm not blaming how I grew up or any of those things, but you cannot study the Bible very long. And you basically got to throw the book of Psalms out if you're just going to sing hymns. Book of Psalms, just throw it out. Look at how David praised the Lord and all these different things. And now this is the thing you've got to understand. Not all Christian songs are good songs. Not all hymns are good songs. There's truth in that. I'm not going to say there's any bad psalms, because those come from Scripture. They're all good. Even if someone does a terrible job with the melody of it, they're still good, okay? Not going to say anything about those. But there are a lot of hymns that are doctrinally incorrect. There are a lot of new songs that I would probably never sing. How do you pick a song and know, and this is the problem, this is what we do. And uh, how do I want to phrase what I'm going to say here? 
I like being able to walk around again. I, I'm able to think clear when I move. That's a good thing. And, uh, but now I lost all my train of thought because I just said that. But um, what was I going to... What we like to do is we like all or nothing. And I understand why some people view it that way. You know, and some people I only will read... You know, I'm only going to read a Baptist person on everything in life. Okay. So let's say that Brother Jay, when he needed help through his time, that all he read was Baptist books. There wouldn't have, is, there's probably not even that many you could even read to begin with on the topic, maybe a few. But you needed some other things. Now, when you go to the other sources, there's probably going to be some stuff that you don't want to use. So this is what we do. We say contemporary Christian music is wicked. It's wrong. It's all about me. You cannot make that statement about all the music. It's not all that way. You're embellishing. You're stretching. The tr you're lying is what you're doing. And it's like eating ribs. I love to eat ribs. How many of you like ribs? How many of you like ribs? Let's see. How many of you don't like ribs? Anybody not like ribs? Allison, you didn't, Skylar, you don't like ribs? Zane, you don't like ribs? No? Allison didn't raise her. Do you not like ribs? They're okay. Anyway, so my favorite are beef ribs if you can get them at the right place. The best place to get them is Phil's Barbecue. San Diego chain, man. And some of you, you guys just don't know what true barbecue is. That's fine. So there's, there's, they're just so good. But this is the thing. No matter how hard I try, once I get down to the bone, there's nothing I can do. I could gnaw on that bone for hours, and I'm not going to get anywhere. But there's a lot of good meat. And this is a good philosophy to have you got to be careful with it, and i careful the way I say it. When it comes to music, too, and I'm going to give you some guidelines on how to choose music in just a minute. Not all contemporary music is bad. In fact, most of it's not bad. But it's like eating ribs. You eat the meat, and you get rid of the bones. you got to go through. You don't just look at a certain subject and say, it's off limits. You have to go a little broader and go a little deeper into it. And I'm probably confusing some of you when I say that, but if you're going, when you pick a song, I don't pick songs based on is this a contemporary song? Is this a hymn? I don't base it on that. I used to. If it wasn't a hymn, I didn't like it. But when I was worshiping my preference over what the Bible said, Brian was wrong about worship. And that's not something you can just say very easily, but I was wrong. And there are many people out there that are wrong because it's all about what they think and not what... It's all about the Lord. It's all about Him. And in fact, we talk about a contemporary song and we think of the heart of worship. I think that song nails it in the head. It's all about you. I'm sorry for the thing that I've made it. Because it's all about you. That's what worship is. So when it comes to a song, I don't look and say, and it used to be so bad to where, even when I was younger, I didn't even listen much to Southern Gospel Christian music because 
There's too much of a beat in that. And I, and I know that sounds crazy to you. And it sounds crazy to me today. But when you go to choose Christian music, and, and I'm giving you this because I want you to understand where my heart comes from. Because I know some of you, you were here when I said, it would be a cold day where the devil is before we had sing certain songs here. And then, Pastor, you've changed. We'll put it this way. I don't like the word change. Change is not, I don't like that word. I like the word grow. And we all are growing. And we're all trying to become more like Christ. And so it was part of my growth. And I haven't grown all the way. I've got a long way still to grow. But when it comes to what we sing in our church, there are certain parameters what we go around. Here's some of the questions, and it's there for you. What do you do when you look at a song? First of all, you need to ask yourself this question. Is it biblical? That's where we begin. Is it biblical? Does it preach the gospel? Does it bring glory to the Lord? Does it edify the church? Does it teach eternal truths? And think about, and that's why it's so important, and look at the words. Words are so important. And you look at it, and I mainly have grown up listening to Christian music my entire life. And I mean, I mean, just straight piano and the, the real strict Christian music for most of my life. And I know that people out there, you have, you know, okay, let's, let's, let's see if I can, if anybody like country music? Louis got his hand up, you sinner. Come and get right at the altar. No, I'm just kidding. I you say, what is wrong with country music? If they're swearing in a song, I probably wouldn't listen to it based on that. Or if it's talking about drinking a beer in the back of my truck with my dog sitting next to me, you know. <laughs> and there's probably a few songs like that. That might be one I wouldn't listen to. But it might not be wicked for you to listen to a country song. But I also don't think that a country song has its place in God's house. This is God's house. This, and you say, well, if I can't listen to it in God's house, I shouldn't listen to it at all. So then every movie you listen to or everything else in your life, turn them down and don't listen to any of the songs. When your kids listen to the Disney movies, turn off all, you know, turn off all the sound to it. So you might play something a little different than what you'd play in church. You might listen to something a little bit different. And I'm not going to, this is what it comes down to with music. You and God need to figure out for yourself where you stand and what is right for you. And it's important. But when we look at when we sing in church, those are the parameters of what we go around. And there's a reason for it. And, our, and we as a church need to be responsible to guard the music that we sing in this place. It's important. Because why do we guard it? Not because we're worried about our preferences and what everyone thinks about those, but we're worried that our song worships God, that we're pleasing Him. Last time I checked, the whole reason we get together is for Him. That's why we get together. You know, people don't get it in this world today. And I, I got into a little Twitter argument the other day. 
This woman posted, and I don't even know who she is, but this was her post. She said, the only reason why pastors want to open their churches back up is because they want money. And that rubbed me the wrong way just a little bit. Big, big little bit. I said, how dare you? That was one of the first words out of my tweet. How dare you? I said, you're probably not very religious, but in all honesty, our money is, since we've been closed, our money's three times greater. We have three times the amount in the bank that we did before the doors closed. It'd be better just to leave the doors closed if we want to save money. No air conditioning this summer, no light bill, none of that. We could just stay closed and keep breaking in because we're getting way more money than what we did before, in all honesty. I said, we come to church because we corporately need to worship God and we corporately need one another. And you just don't get it. She's like, well, when your people die, you can blame yourself. And I said, I'll ask you one final question. Do you go out of your house? She never responded, so I just left it there. But everything that we do should be to please Him. And our songs, the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, it's so important that they bring honor and glory to Him. And like I mentioned before, just in the past, my view and where I stood on different things, we watched a movie a while back, and what was the name of that? I still believe. And uh, what's the guy's name? Jeremy Camp. I've never listened to much of his music. I didn't really know anything about the guy. I watched the movie, and I know you can't always trust the movie on what everything is like. But you look at the story, and you read the story of his wife dying with cancer, and then how God worked in his life and all that God's done. The story behind his song was a modern day, one of the great hymns of our faith, this great story behind what happened to them. But why is his song in praise to God any less valuable to God than someone who wrote their song 200 years ago? It's not. We get the wrong idea. Worship, it's all about him. And don't let that change. That's how it's supposed to be. So number one, we see the description. Number two, and we'll move through this quickly, all right? Number two, we see the depth of spirit-filled worship. It says, singing and making melody where? In your heart. The heart, it refers to the center of our emotions, the thoughts and will. It speaks of the mind, of the area of life where we do our thinking. The word melody means to pluck or to twitch. It's a vibration of strings is what melody means. So what do you mean by that? Here you go. A piano string. A guitar being strummed. That's what melody is. It just means that's very simply the meaning, to pluck or to twitch. It speaks about a piano, a guitar, or some other stringed instruments. When the string is plucked, it begins to vibrate and make music. The picture here, you think about this, it's like this. The picture here is of a heart being strummed by the Holy Spirit. Sing making melody in your heart. This is talking about, and sometimes what we do with this is we talk about an outward expression here, but this is talking about what's going on inside. So as we speaking to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we're singing making melody in our heart. So as we, think about this, as we sing a song like How Great Thou Art, 
And as we're singing it to him and thinking about it, it starts something in here. Gets it moving. Gets it vibrating. Gets it moving inside of us. That's what it's talking about right here. So the whole idea here is that singing and worshiping that brings glory to God always begins in the heart. It's not a superficial thing or a fleshly response. It's it's something that takes place in the heart. When the heart is reminded of all that God's done, the strings of the heart begin to vibrate. And do you know what makes a corporate worship service or singing corporately so special? When God's people are not just, uh, not thinking about just singing, you know, how deep the Father's love for us. How, whatever the rest of the words are. And you just sing and you don't think about it. No, what it's talking about here is uh, spirit-filled worship is where you're singing those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But as you're singing them, you're thinking on it. Because that's your heart, right? What you're thinking about. And as you think about those words, as they get inside of you, what's happening is your heart, it's doing something inside. And that's what corporate worship should be like, where we're focused on the Lord and thinking about a song as we sing it. And as we sing, and that's why sometimes you'll see some songs are sung and you'll see some people, they get emotional during it. Not because, not because it's some big emotion. No, it's because God's working in their heart on that song. And that's what singing, making melody in your heart is. It's taking place in your heart and God's working on the inside as you're singing that song and it's very powerful. And that's one of the, that's what's so, that's one of the most special things about corporate worship where the heart of people are together and we're doing it together and God's working on the strings of our hearts at the same time. And I could go deeper into that, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. Singing and so we see singing from the heart. And you, you could look at verse number 20 also, that a heart that God has worked on and a heart that's singing and making melody in your heart was you're making that to the Lord, it's going to help lead you to be a thankful person. You see how God has these things in order? A spirit-filled person is going to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's going to do a work in the heart. As it does the work in the heart, that work that's taking place in the heart is going to make you thankful. You see how that all ties together? Hopefully I didn't lose you with all that, but I think you get what I'm trying to say there. And so, so spiritual worship is an event that occurs in the heart and then spills over in song. So we see, number one, the description of spirit-filled worship. Number two, we see the depth of spirit-filled worship. Number three, we see the direction of it. Singing and making melody where? In your heart. Where? To the Lord. What's, where's the direction of our worship? Him. It goes to Him. It's all about Him. And that's what we got to remember. But think about this. It says, speaking to yourselves, He's speaking about, and as we look at that, do you see the word yourselves? It's plural there. So it's kind of a, um, I believe that it's speaking about the ministry that we have of edification. There is nothing like a church full of people singing. And sorry, Governor Newsom, 
that is a stupid idea to not have churches sing. That's one, of the, that's one of the things you should think about not singing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, buddy. And, uh, yeah, you can go and think about this one. Churches can be 25% full, right, they say? And yet you can go to the mall and it's 50%. You can go to a restaurant and they're 50%. I think that's what the First Amendment's all about, not singling out a church. But that's what's being done crazy. But there's something powerful about when we all sing. When we worship him and we sing to him in unison together, it builds each of us up. There's something powerful about it. But that's not what worship's all about. It's not about how it makes all of us feel together. Maybe it gives us this warm feeling inside or whatever the case may be. Worship, it's all about him. He gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. And that's why I try, and I mention every once in a while, make sure, and I am grateful for anyone who will sing a special in our church. The time that they put into it, the work they put into it, it is just, it takes time. And you know, think about playing the piano with it, it takes time to get all that down. But we should not, when we clap at the end of a song, we shouldn't be clapping for the people singing. It should be a heart of praise to God for the words in those songs. Does that make sense? The worship should always be about Him. And it's so important. The direction of our worship. He alone deserves it. Let me ask you tonight as we close. How's your worship? Spirit-filled worship. We saw tonight several points. We saw the description of it. It's speaking to yourselves. It's audible. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We see the depth of it. It's not just a shallow outer appearance, but it's something taking place deep down inside. That's what worship is. And then we saw the direction. It's all about Him. I didn't ask Brother Jay to do this, but I'm going to ask him and Caroline. I want to sing that song, The Heart of Worship. I think the words you can find it on the screen back there. And we'll sing that song, and then we'll be on our way tonight. And I think, Brother Jay, your microphone died. So I think try the blue one, see if that one will work. RT. It's not there? The heart of worship? The T H E. He found it. <laughs> When the music fades, 